Hello, everyone. This is Victor Jackson. Welcome to the Bible Centered Podcast. I have been wrestling with this text this week, not only this week, but um, there's some things that I just kind of think on and germinate, uh, marinate on. I was telling uh, John the other day that there's some messages that could take about 10 years to really be released to preach it or let the thought develop. Um, the reason being is that there, there's some, I don't believe the Bible can really hit home uh, unless you live through some stuff. Has to be more than an intellectual experience or just profound revelation. Uh, there has to be a life lived that reflects the message. And I taught on this, mentioned it briefly when uh, Jesus was in the ship, and uh, the Bible says that there were so many crowds on the seashore that he had to get off the seashore and get in a ship and teach. And as he is teaching from the ship, the Bible says that they took him even in the ship. And when they took him in the ship, the Bible says that a storm came. And the revelation is, is that the same boat that you teach in is the same boat you endure in. What you expound, you will experience. What you preach in the day, you will live in the night. That God will never allow your revelation to be so great that he doesn't equalize it with experience. And he will never allow the storm or your experiences to be so great that he doesn't equalize it with revelation. There is a divine balance. So he keeps the messenger on the ship of adversity long enough until the messenger becomes the message. That's what makes it powerful. So when someone gets up and says, anything is possible, you can feel that's coming from a life or a good thought. Can't you feel? You ever heard somebody say that and you fall asleep? You're like, Come on, somebody. And, 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 so, and so your pastor, when he prays and seeks the Lord for a message, um, it, it's more than a, a, a good thought. Amen. It's, 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 I'm, I, I'm pouring everything into it. Amen. And uh, I, I'm wrestling with this, with this text today. And it's going to bless some people. And I'm excited to get into it. Uh, Genesis chapter 22, verse 1. And it came to pass after these things that God did tempt Abraham. 
and said unto him, Abraham. And he said, Behold, here am I. And he said, Take now thy son, thine only son Isaac, whom thou lovest, and get thee into the land of Moriah, and offer him there for a burnt offering upon one of the mountains which I will tell thee of. Verse 3, last scripture. And Abraham rose early in the morning and saddled his donkey and took two of his young men with him and Isaac his son and clave the wood for the burnt offering and rose up and went unto the place of which God had told him. I, I want to preach on this subject, reading through this text, studying it, praying over it. I, there was something that was very notable to me, and that's what I want to preach on. I want to preach on a notable absence. A notable absence. Can you lay your Bibles down? Everyone close your eyes, lift up your hands. Let's ask God to speak to us. Lord Jesus, we ask for your spirit to transform. We ask for your spirit to move in this house. We ask for your spirit to do what only you can do, God. You are the vine and we are the branches. Help me to serve your people. Help me to serve faithfully this morning. Help, help me to reflect your, your image, your nature, oh God. Help us to all be conformed into the image of your, your son, Lord. Let us all be conformed and partake of the divine nature. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we pray. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. Can you clap your hands to the Lord? You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. I, I want to give a shout out to all of the uh, uh, volunteers and, and all those who have helped and um, with, with the Mother's Day preparations and uh, people were uh, working at the church uh, yesterday with the Mother's Day uh, preparations and um, do, doing a phenomenal job. All those involved in the different departments and uh, been doing just an excellent job uh, in the in the transition uh, that that we have been in, Amen. And I uh, want to give honor to each and every one of them. A notable absence. The life of Abraham is center, a, a center point, a, a foundation, an anchor, a landmark of the Christian faith. Because the Bible says that the covenant started in the faith of Abraham, that we are actually, if we have his faith, that we are the children of Abraham. And that's, that's comforting to know because he, the Bible never calls us the children of Moses. I thank God for that because we're not children of the law. Uh, we're children of faith. For the covenant was in Abraham's belief, not in his, uh, not in the covenant of circumcision mentioned in Genesis 17.10. It's a covenant of faith. 
that we are to reflect Abraham's life whenever we have faith and walking in obedience and walking in under the guidance and the counsel of God. His, his life is a beautiful life to consider and we have navigated different portions of his life uh, over the past year. But there's something very noticeable in this text because the Bible says that all throughout Abraham's life, he, he reflected some type of emotion. There was an emotion of fear. There was an emotion of worry. There was the emotion of concern. And these were very prevalent and very evident emotions. Not only did he reflect those emotions that way, but even later, whenever Sarah died, he reflected a healthy emotion of grief and of loss and of uh, and of concern and and of pain and so it was healthy for him to have those emotions and I, I'm just they're, they're gonna get the mic right and everything like that but I'm just about to preach amen uh, <laughs> um, I, I guess the echo is just gonna help you hear it twice praise God <laughs> And it's amazing to, to consider the emotions that he reflected were all throughout his life. And it's to show us his humanity and to show us that these are actually real people in the Bible. I love this about the Bible because the Bible is, is, is a book that shows the humanity of its heroes. That, that, that Noah was, was a drunk, that, that Adam and Eve failed, that, that, that uh, Abraham, he messed up, that, that David messed up, that all these prophets messed up. And so it shows the humanity of the heroes so you don't build an altar unto them as if they're divine. And, and, and people, people worry me whenever they try to hide their humanity. It, it, it scares me when people walk around like robots. <laughs> Nothing's wrong with me. And it's like that same smile, like every day. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. Right? Let me tell you something. That is not Christianity. There, there has to be a humanity. There, Amen, because that humanity is relatable. And so, and so when, when a leader tries to cover up their hu humanity, they're just unrelatable. They're abstract. You, you never had problems. I can't connect to you. Amen. Even God couldn't change the world until he became human. Even God from the splendors of heaven, the walls of Jasper, the pearly gates, the streets of gold, he couldn't get into the heart of mankind until he robed himself in flesh, came as a man and walked among us. Come on, so we could be touched with the feelings of his infirmities. I need somebody that I can touch to be a bridge into the divine. 
Amen. Amen. And that's, 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 that's important to consider the humanity of all of these characters. As a matter of fact, when you look at the gospel of John, one of the things that you see in the gospel of John was John, the apostle John was very specific in making sure that John the Baptist confessed that he wasn't God. Ah, because John's ministry was so profound that years later they were still baptizing unto the baptism of John, that they were beginning to glorify him in some myth-like nature in Ephesus. And so John the apostle, when he writes the gospel from Ephesus, he is surrounded with the cries of John, of John the Baptist. So he makes sure he pins that John said he must increase and I must decrease. The only place you can find that is in John. Come on, somebody. And he's the one that said, I am not the light, but I came to bear witness of the light. It was to make sure that they didn't glorify a human beyond what they were. And so with this anchor point of Christianity, it's important for us to understand that, that God was very sure in himself when he showed the humanity of Abraham that he had doubts that he had fears that he had concerns and the Bible would say that he even wept over the loss of Sarah and he was afraid whenever he went into Pharaoh's court afraid that they would would take him and kill him so he lied and said that that Sarah was his sister and so we see the fear and the pool and the dry in Abraham's life but I, 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 I catch a moment in this text in Genesis chapter 22 and verse 1 through 3 I, I, I take notice of a, of a noticeable absence a noticeable absence it's where something is supposed to be there but it's not there it's, it's, it's like uh, showing, showing up to a game of your favorite sports team and then you show up and the team ain't even there. That's what you call a notable absence. I, I, I expected it and it's, it's not there. It's like, it's, like, uh, it's like going to see, uh, it's like you getting in a, in, in, in a spaceship to go and land on the moon and the moon is not there. That's what you call a notable absence. If uh, whatever your favorite singer is, whatever concert, whatever, whatever sports team, if you are disappointed if your favorite athlete or favorite singer doesn't show up. That's what you call a notable absence. You can't, you can't even, you know, showing up to a concert and the singer's not there, you know, you can't even get with the groove. You're just like. They're singing all the gospel stuff. They're singing all, all, the, all the great songs and you love all, all their great songs and they sing beautifully and it could be a, a, a Tasha Cobbs. It could be all, all these people. You show up and she's not there and they're still singing her songs and you're just like. I want my money back. I just think it's a notable 
a notable absence. And so as I'm looking at Genesis 22, 1 through 3 in the life of Abraham, how he left Mesopotamia, left everything for a promise from God, for a promise from God to, 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 that he would become a father of many nations. His, his wife is barren. They're not able to have children. And they slip up. They make a mistake because they try. They've been waiting for years for a promise. And so, and so now all of a sudden he, he sleeps with Hagar, has a child named Ishmael. Huh? And, and, and God shall hear. And, 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 and it, it's amazing. He thinks that's his promised son for 13 years. He thinks Ishmael's the promised son that he had with Hagar. But God wanted to be glorified not through Hagar, but through Sarah's loins. And so Sarah would finally have a child after almost 25 years of waiting. And now that is the promised child. And now this promised child is growing up. And there comes a moment where all of a sudden, God speaks to Abraham and says, take your son, your only son whom you love. And I want you to offer him as a burnt offering, as a sacrifice. God tempted Abraham. He didn't tempt him with sin. He tempted him with opportunity. Because if you respond to this properly, I've got, I've got an amazing thing ahead for you tempted him with opportunity. You know, God will sometimes tempt you with opportunity. He'll, he'll watch how you handle uh, certain things to determine if you're able to handle more. He, he, he tempts with opportunity. And so it's, it's like if you worked at, at Burger King and you start off, you know, flipping the burgers, God's watching how you flip the burgers. Each burger. Like, make sure you put the cheese on. No shortcuts. Then all of a sudden you get promoted. Now you're a shift manager. God's watching how you're doing the shift manager. Make sure, no shortcuts. Make sure you're treating people right. And then all of a sudden God, God promotes you to manager of that Burger King. And God's watching. Now make sure you're handling the money right. Make sure you're handling everything right. Now I'm tempting you with power. And all of a sudden, now you're the regional manager of the, of the Burger Kings in the Southeast. You see, God tempts with opportunity. It, it's, it's how it works. And, and there wasn't supposed to be conviction on that point, but praise God. <laughs> Amen. He, he watches how we handle things to see if we can handle more. And if you're faithful over a few things, he'll make you ruler over many things. And so, this is his son. Sarah wanted Ishmael, the first son, the mistake. She wanted him to go, and so they sent him away. And now he's left with Isaac. And God says, take your son whom thou lovest. And get thee into the land of Moriah to go and sacrifice him. Out of all the emotion that I have seen in the life of Abraham, it is in this text that is absent of any emotion. And it is a notable absence. He cries over Sarah in Genesis 23:2. He cries and, and, and weeps over. And, and is filled with fear with dealing with Pharaoh and Abimelech. But when it comes to his promise, he's numb. 
When it comes to his promise, there is no sign of emotional investment. It is a notable absence. And I'm wondering when God is, is saying that you're about to lose your promise, how do you not shed a tear? When God says, I'm going to take what is most valuable to you, whom you love, and yet not a tear comes down Abraham's face. The first thing he does is he rises up early in the morning to do it. Now, him rising up early in the morning, that speaks to his obedience. But it also speaks subtly, subtly to something else because I'm telling you, if God's asking me to give up something that valuable, I will most likely procrastinate. <laughs> and be like, what did you say, Lord? Give it up. Uh, hallelujah. You just be talking a lot or something, right? No, give it up. Oh, whoa. Oh, I'm going to pray on this. I'm going to. Right? When it's something valuable, when God told me to give up basketball, let me tell you, I couldn't even, I couldn't even look at people in the eye for like a week. I'd start crying. I was eating after God told me to give up basketball. I was eating, and they're all talking to me, laughing, and God just keeps saying, give it up, Victor, give it up. And I'm just, like, eating my stuff. I'm just like, are you okay? I'm like, yeah, yeah, no, no, yeah. That was, that was, you see, when God is asking you to give up a promise, see, basketball, that was, like, my, my promise. That was what I worked 11 years of my life to, to, to put myself into. I worked my whole life to get scholarships from Division I universities. I worked my whole life uh, meeting with coaches and meeting with Division I coaches and, and planning my path. You, you go look at my, my, my little freshman year planner. It, it had, I will make it to the NBA on every day. I wrote it from every day, I will make it to the NBA, I will make it to the NBA. I put a whole lot of investment with trying to pursue a promise. And so when God asked me to give it up, I, I'm not rising up early in the morning to give it up. Come on, somebody. Well, you got an 11-year investment in something, I ain't in a rush to give that up. So, so it is confusing to me that, that there is a promise from God that Abraham has, and God's saying, give it up, and a Abraham just moves like it ain't. Okay, I'll, I'll be right back, y'all. I'm going to go sacrifice my promise. And it is a notable absence of emotion. And I struggle with this. I'm like, God, why aren't you showing the emotion or any pain in him when you asked him to give it up? See, even if you know God's going to give it back, there's still an emotion. Right? There's still an emotion. And then I read Genesis chapter 21, verse 9, and I understood it. I understood why he didn't have any emotion in that text. Genesis chapter 21 and verse 9, look at this. And Sarah saw the son of Hagar, the Egyptian, which she had borne unto Abraham, mocking. 
Wherefore she said unto Abraham, Cast out this bondwoman and her son, for the son of this bondwoman shall not be heir with my son, even with Isaac. Listen, verse 11. And the thing was very grievous in Abraham's sight because of his son. Wow. And God said unto Abraham, let it not be grievous in thy sight because of the lad and because of thy bondwoman and all that Sarah hath said unto thee. Hearken unto your voice, to her voice, for in Isaac shall thine seed be called. The Bible says that whenever he had to detach from his mistake, The Bible says it was very grievous to him. When he told him to detach from his past, God in heaven, there was an emotion on the inside of him that he was grievous. And that word grievous in the Hebrew, it is yara, which literally means to tremble. It is to shake. It is almost to convulse because you do not want to put that thing away. And the issue with Abraham was that he was so emotionally invested in his mistake. He didn't have any energy to give into his promise. I'm going to preach right now. He was so invested and what had happened that he didn't have any more emotions to give at the possibility of loss in his promise. He put so much energy into the past, into Ishmael. Come on now. That whenever the thought of losing Ishmael, he couldn't hold it together. He was grievous. He was weeping. He was crying. He was convulsing. Why? Because he believed that he deserved Ishmael. He believed that he deserved his mistake. So that apart from his mistake, he felt his mistake in himself were one. That they were were intricately uh, connected forever. So to get rid of the mistake and the past, he wept and he convulsed. But whenever God said, now give up your promise, there was no emotion. Why? Because he felt he didn't deserve it. He felt he didn't deserve it. And so there were no emotions when God asked to give it back. I knew, I knew this wasn't going to last. I knew it was too good to be true. And we're scared to get emotionally invested in promises from God huh? because we're scared of being disappointed. Huh? And come on, somebody, we've been disappointed so much. We're scared to put all of our emotions uh, into the future and into the promise. And so we are stuck carrying Ishmael. We, we, we are scared to become one with the promise when we have been one with the mistake for so long. I'm going to preach to somebody here. He was, when he came, God said, give up the mistake. And then and Abraham, the Bible says it was grievous. That word, it literally means to be broken up, to be broken up internally. He couldn't even bear to do it. Oh, he couldn't even bear to even prepare it. He couldn't even bear to see his son walk away into the deserts of Beersheba. He didn't know if his son would live anymore. He was afraid for his mistake to die. He 
was so invested in the past that he had no energy to give to his future. It's a notable absence in the text because he had invested so much in yesterday that, that he had no emotion left for today. And he felt like he deserved his mistake, so he wanted to do anything he could to hold on to it. But when he came to the promise... He just gave it up so freely. Just like, okay, all right, I'm going to rise up early in the morning. Let's... And there's no emotion in Genesis 22 with the promise. But with the mistake in Genesis 21, it's full of emotion. And I, I am preaching to people today that God has given you promises. And at the first sight of it being a possibility, it can't happen. You just freely let it go. Because you didn't feel like you deserved it in the first place. But when it comes to your past and your pain and your betrayal and, and your hurt, ah, you, you, it is grievous for you to let it go. I say, come on, let it go. It's time to move on. He said, no, no, no. I got my identity back there. Come on, let it go. Move on. Walk in the future. You got an Isaac that you're carrying. No, no, no. It's grievous to me to let it go. Me and the lad have become one. Me and Ishmael have become one. Me and my mistakes have become one. I should have never did it. And now you spend more time rehearsing your mistakes than rehearsing the opportunities of the future. And if I were to ask you, what, what does your past look like? You would, you would be so vivid. You would take me back to the night. You would take me back to the day. You would take me back to the moment. You would tell me all the color, colors and what you were wearing. You would tell me everything that happened. You would be so vivid as you described the past. You would tell me about the ground that you, that you walked on. You would tell me about the type of car that you had. You would tell me about the you would quote verbatim uh, what they said to you uh, and what they said about your family. Uh, you are so specific uh, when it comes to Ishmael. Uh, but if I were to ask you about the promise and the future, it's general. If I ask you about the future, it's, it's well, you know, God, God's got it. No, no, be more specific. Well, you know, God, God's, God, God's good, y'all. No, no, tell me about where you and your family are headed. Well, well, you know, well, you know, we, uh, you know, we believe, we believe God's gonna be with us. See that? Where, where there's no, see, see, we give up on the future. We give up on the possibility of a promise. And we rise up early to give it up. But if I were to say, hey, now let go of that thing from the past. Let go of that thing from yesterday. Then you would say, let me tell you what happened March 22nd, 1964. Let me tell you what happened January 15th, 2002. Let me tell you 
what happened February 3rd, 1994. Let me tell you what happened. But, 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 but the question is, what about March 2024? Where are you going to be? What about September 2025? Where are you and your family going to be? And the first thing you do is say, hold on, let me go back and reach for Ishmael. Uh, because I have no emotion for the future. I'm reserving my emotion for the past. Uh, I have no emotion for the good in my life. Uh, because I'm spending it on everything that's bad in my life. I have no emotion for what's good about me. I'm reserving all of my emotion for what's bad about me. And when someone gives me a compliment when I do something good, I just nod my head, say amen, go about my business and forget about it. But if anybody ever says something negative about me, I will think about it for months. I will think about it for years because I believe I deserve Ishmael and I never deserved Isaac. And so when I say, when someone says, oh, you did good, you say, oh, man, I don't want to fall of pride. I don't want to think about that. I don't want to think about that. I don't want to tune my ears to the voice of Isaac. No, I have no emotions left for it. Bring me back to Ishmael. Bring me back to how I failed. Bring me back to how I messed up. Bring me back to what I used to be. And if anybody makes a hint towards your past, you will think about it for months. You will think you stay up in the midnight hour and you get grievous about it. Why? Because it's tough to let go of your mistake. It's easy to let go of your promise. Out of all the blessing that God gives you, you still refuse to let go of the mistake. Oh, look at how good God's been to you. Oh, to show you about your value and the promise in your life. But no, uh, you come in the church. Yes, you may be carrying Isaac, but you're still holding Ishmael's hand. You got the mistake in one hand and the promise in the other hand. And, you, and you're more willing to give away the promise than you are give away your mistake. You'll let somebody hold your promise for you. You'll give that baby away. But you never let anybody carry Ishmael. Not even God. Oh, somebody clap your hands. I'm in the Holy Ghost talking. Ah. Uh, You come, you come in, and you 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 let everybody hold the hold baby Isaac. <laughs> come, because why you don't feel like you deserve him anyway. But Ishmael, no, I got an emotional attachment with my pain. I can talk about pain all day. I can talk about my mistake all day because I have defined myself by what happened with Ishmael and I haven't defined myself with what's happening with Isaac. But look, we hold on to Ishmael so long that the mistake that God releases blessings, he shows you his love, he shows you his power, he shows you all of that and you just refuse to believe it. 
Because you're going to hold on to it. And God's like, let it go. I got this for you. I got that for you. I got this for you. And you're like, I ain't letting this go. But with the promise, one little negative word about your promise. I'm giving this thing up. You got a death grip on Ishmael. And you're holding your promise with two fingers. Anytime life starts tugging on the promise, you say, okay, you can have it. But Ishmael, when God starts pulling on letting go Ishmael, it's just like, hey, hey, God, listen, I ain't going to talk to you no more. You keep this up. God, every time I talk to you, you keep telling me I'm worthy. Stop. I'm in the Holy Ghost right now. You keep telling me, you keep telling me I'm worthy. You keep telling me you love me. And, and God, when I believe stuff like that, it makes me want to send Ishmael into the deserts of Beersheba. But I can't do that. It's too grievous because of how much investment I've had in Ishmael. And the problem is that Abraham... He didn't express any emotion. It was a notable absence in Genesis 22 when just the previous chapter, and it's amazing because he's capable of emotion now. If he was like robotic and didn't feel anything throughout all the scriptures, then I wouldn't notice anything. But I noticed something here because in Genesis 21, he cries over the mistake. In Genesis 23, he cries over his loss of his wife. But yet in the middle of Genesis 21 and 23 is 22 and there's no emotion. Because we believe we deserve the mistake, but we don't deserve the promise. What happens with this when we are more emotionally invested in yesterday than we are today? When we're more emotionally invested in our fall instead of our ascent. See, when you are emotionally invested in your past failures, the only uh, conversation that you will hear there comes straight from hell. Don't you notice that when you're spending all your time thinking about your failure, that's when the devil starts speaking to you? That's when the devil starts speaking to you. Why? Why? Because look what it says, Micah 7, 8. It says, rejoice not against me, O mine enemy. Watch this. For when I fall, I shall arise. What does that say? That says hell rejoices over your failures. When you fail, hell rejoices. That's what it says. Rejoice not against me, O mine enemy. Because he's saying your rejoicing is going to be premature because when I fall, I shall arise. But, but there's, a, there's a principle to take here. When you fall, hell rejoices. So, so when you are in, emotionally invested in your failure where you refuse to let it go, Hell really likes that. And here's the thing. The Bible says in Luke 15, 10, 
that the angels rejoice over one sinner that repents. So hell rejoices when I'm down. Heaven rejoices when I'm on my way up. So there is a celebration in heaven and a celebration in hell. And so I refuse to give hell another ounce of my emotions and my failure. And I'm going to start looking forward. And I'm going to start declaring some things over my life. And say, you know what? I am worthy of Ishmael. God, I am worthy of Isaac. Because God would have never spoke to me about my promise if he didn't intend to fulfill it. Come on, somebody clap your hands. Got to get emotionally invested in your future. You ever notice uh, you have time for negativity all day. You can receive 10 calls of negative stuff and be like, oh, my God. Oh, my. Oh, man. Yeah, I thought that would happen. Yeah, here we are again. Watch this. You get a call of positivity, you get stressed out. Man, I'm telling you, you about to be blessed. Like before. Look, 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 girl, I got to go. I got to go. <laughs> look, look, you stress, you look, you're stressing me out with all this stuff. I need to go to sleep. Isn't it amazing how our spirits are more attuned to Ishmael than it is to Isaac? People aggravate you when they start speaking hope all the time. Hey, uh, I, I, I did this, I did this. Hey, man, get back up, man. God's got you. God's going to do amazing things with you. Hey, listen, listen, man. I'm going to ignore you for the next two weeks. That's just, that's too much. You just have an overwhelming personality. But we don't get stressed out with a lot of bad information. Why? Because something in our subconscious expects it. Because we believe we deserve that. But when it comes to the future, what is the first thing that happens? We want to doubt. Right? We, 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 if we get any call saying, hey, I got some money for you, the first thing you think is scam. Then somebody's going, oh, oh, yeah, I owe you some money. Scam. <laughs> but, but when you get called saying, hey, you owe money, you're like, yeah, how much I owe? I just... But it matters where we emotionally put, where we invest our emotions. And it's, an, it's, 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 it's important, it's valuable. You know, in, in, in Madagascar, they have a very strange ritual. And th this ritual is called Fami Dahana. And this ritual of Fami Dahana, it's where they go and visit their ancestors' graves. They don't just go visit them, they open those graves. They bring out the bones from those graves. 
They wrap up those bones in new clothes. Put the bones on their shoulder. They call it Fami Dehana, also meaning dancing with the bones. They take the bones up, put it on their shoulder, and they all have a celebration. And they start dancing with those bones from their ancestors. Graves from hundreds of years ago. And in this culture, they spend more on their own graves than they do their houses. They are more invested in their death than they are their life. So their whole life, they're preparing to die. And they show off. Oh yeah, I got this, got this grave for a good price. They dance with those bones. They're invested in their history more than their future. And as they were dancing with these bones, all of a sudden, they began to realize people in the family started getting sick. And there was a breakout of the bubonic plague, the black death in Madagascar. The black death hadn't been seen for 500 years when it took out one-third of Europe's population. But now after 500 years of a virus, of a, of a death, of a, of a bubonic plague being buried, it shows up in the present in Madagascar. And they begin to study, researchers and scientists begin to study to find the origin of this black plague. And they said it's whenever they started digging up the bones. Whenever they started digging up their history. They touched a plague. And that plague spread throughout the area. And it destroyed many families. When did it start? When someone was more invested in digging up the past than digging toward their future. You see, when you invest so much in yesterday, it can try to sabotage and plague your today. But I come to preach to you, it's time to put the bones down. And it's time to go after your destiny and go after your anointing. Because there's an Isaac that's calling your name that says there's still a plan for you. Come on, somebody clap your hands to the Lord right now. God, I'm going to preach this thing. God, I'm going to preach this thing. I'm going to preach until you let go of Ishmael. I'm going to preach until you let go of your mistake. I'm going to preach until you let go of your failure. I'm going to preach until you let go of your past. I'm going to preach until you value the promise more than you value your mistake. I'm going to preach until you value the future more than you value the past. Amasataya. 
Uh, God in heaven. The reason we don't want to invest our emotions into Isaac or into the promise is because when subconsciously we believe that it's not going to last long. Like in times past, other things didn't last long. Any relationship that you don't believe is going to last long. You're not going to put all of your emotions invested into it. I'm going to preach to somebody here right now. It's like meeting a new person that you don't think that you're going to see for the rest of your life life. You're not going to spend time talking about your family and how old you are and where you came from in your occupation. Why? Because you don't expect to see them ever again. That's what we do with our promise. We have short conversations with the promise. Oh, I'm going to preach right now. With the promise, we are acquaintances. But with the mistake, that's a family member. I'm going to preach right now. I'm gonna, it's time to be an acquaintance with your mistake and begin to take hold of the promise and say this is my child and I'm not letting it go I need somebody to clap if you hear me I need somebody to shout if you hear me I need somebody to leap if you hear me I need somebody to get emotionally invested I need you to clap I need you to shout I need somebody to worship God with everything in them Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Come on, somebody get emotionally invested right now. Somebody get emotionally invested right now. Come on, do you believe it? Do you believe more in the past than you do the future? Do you believe more in your history, more in your mistake than you do the promise? Come on, there's a miracle in front of you. Come on, there's a promise in front of you. You're going to be the head and not the tail. You're going to be above and not beneath. No weapon formed against you is going to prosper. God's going to prosper everything that you touch. God's going to increase everything that you touch. Come on, somebody. I wish somebody would clap if you believed it. I wish someone would stand to your feet if you believed it. I wish somebody would worship if you believe it. Clap like you believe. Shout like you believe. Run like you believe. Dance like you believe. Come on. Whatever you gave the, whatever you gave Ishmael, you better give it to Isaac. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. I feel the Holy Ghost talking to somebody. I feel the Holy Ghost talking to somebody. If you cried all night over Ishmael, it's time to have tears of joy over Isaac. Come on, somebody. If you stayed up all night because of Ishmael, it's time for you to stay up all night because of the glory of the promise that's coming before you. I have an excitement in my spirit clap dance hama halamo hosai 
That's why Paul, everybody stand with me. That's why Paul said it this way. He said, even so, as you yielded your members unto unrighteousness, even so, yield those same members unto righteousness. Meaning whatever you gave the past, I want you to give the same to the future. Come on, somebody. You used to dance in the club. You used to dance at the parties. I'm going to preach right now. You used to dance all up in your past. Now you come to church and you're scared to dance. Come on, somebody. You used to give it to the world. Why don't you give it to God? You used to give it to the past. Why don't you give it to God? Hey. Oh, God. Yo. Hey, hey, they didn't have to hit the right tone on karaoke night. You was there singing and you was there dancing. Now you got to church and hell had tried to convince you that all of a sudden you don't have rhythm no more. So you just fold your arms and sit there. Come on, somebody. But you got a promise ahead of you. And if I gave the past my energy, I'm about to give the future all of my energy. Now with everything in you, clap with everything in you. Come on. In the past, when I was a kid, and whenever I was locked in those closets as a, as a kid, and when I was locked in apart from the family, all by myself locked in the closet, I used to cry, and I used to weep. But now, ever since I received his spirit, after I discovered that I'm a child of the king all of a sudden you know what I did I switched closets now I'm not crying in that closet for the same reason now I'm crying in the prayer closet I'm crying over your family hey I'm preaching right now now I'm crying over your future now I'm interceding not because of Ishmael no it's because I believe that you have an Isaac it's because I believe you have a promise I'm gonna I'm gonna preach to you right now. I feel the Holy Ghost talking. I feel the Holy Ghost talking. I feel the Holy Ghost pulling. Musicians can get ready. I feel the Holy Ghost pulling on somebody right now. Don't expect somebody else to be more emotionally invested in your Isaac than you are. Stop wanting your wife to be emotionally invested in your future when you're not. Come on. Stop expecting your husband to be more emotionally invested in your promise than you are. Every one of us individually, we have to make up our mind. I'm going to give God something. Hey, if you're not... You have something left to give him. You have something left to give him. You have something left to give him.
Let me talk to a young person. Don't expect your parents to be more emotionally invested in your promise than you are. They can believe for you all they want, but you've got to put your emotions into the promise because you can't become what God wants you to become by somebody else's belief system. You've got to get a hold of God for yourself. I'm going to preach right now. Come on. Let me tell you what I'm preaching right now. I had to learn to pull myself up by the bootstraps. I had to learn how to find a prayer closet to pray Isaac into existence. While Ishmael, I heard his steps behind me saying it's coming for me. I said, get thee behind me, Satan. I got a destiny. I got an anointing. And I'm not wasting my emotional fear. I'm not wasting my emotion on fear. I'd rather use it on love. Because perfect love cast out fear. I'd rather spend more time loving God and loving people than I am being afraid of people being afraid of my past, being afraid of Ishmael. Come on, somebody. You don't think you're using your energy, but you are. You've been stressing out. And that's why I'm in the Holy Ghost right now. Some of you have been battling. I don't know who this is right now, but somebody's been battling for the last three to six months. You haven't told anybody, but you've been battling with a sickness. You've been battling with a cough. You've been battling. Every time you feel like you're doing good, all of a sudden you got to go rest for a few weeks all of a sudden you can't give all your energy why it's because of the stress that you've been walking under and you haven't given that burden unto the lord you haven't given that ishmael unto the lord stop walking in the fear of man and start walking in the fear of the lord stop walking in the fear of the past and start walking in the love of the future i wish somebody would help me preach right now Come on, that's it from the front to the back. Everyone, come to the front. I want you to clap your hands as you're coming forward. I feel the Holy Ghost ministry. I feel the power of God ministry. I feel somebody coming out of the grave. I feel somebody coming alive right now. I feel somebody dusting themselves off and walking. Oh, I'm going to preach right now. If you can hear me, wave a hand right now if you can hear me. That's why that man that was demon-possessed, that's why he was among the tombs because the hell was trying to kill him and he wanted to kill himself. So he said, go spend your time emotionally invested in the tombs. And so the Bible says they tried to bind the man to stop him from killing himself, but he was cutting himself with rocks. It's spending all this time in the graveyard but all of a sudden the man from Galilee Jesus feet stepped on the shore and whenever his foot stepped on the shore 6,000 demons couldn't stop that man from running to Jesus hey -ya! 
When you got a promise, hell can't stop you. 6,000 devils can't stop you. When you got a promise, I'm about to be healed. He was thinking about killing himself, but he said, you know what? I hear the sound of the promise. I hear his feet nearby. He said, you know what? I'm not spending time with Ishmael anymore. I'm going to run. Oh, Lord. I'm going to run. I'm going to run to Isaac. That's what Isaac was. He was a type and shadow of Jesus. I feel like preaching in this place. Isaac was a type and shadow of Jesus because Isaac laid himself down on the altar with his own free will. That's what Jesus did for us. So that man in the tomb of Gadara, he said, I hear Isaac calling my name. I hear Jesus calling my name. I'm not staying in the pit. I'm not staying in the hell. I'm not staying in the trouble. I'm running. I'm running. I said, I'm running. I said, I'm running. I said, I'm running. I need somebody to clap right now. I just need you to make an emotional investment. Can you clap with everything in you? Can you think about the promise? Now, can you clap according to the promise? Can you think about your Isaac? Now, can you shout according to that Isaac? Can you praise him according to his excellence? You're not done. I said, you're not done. I said, Elder, you're not done. I said, Elder, you're not done. I said, Elder, you're not done. I'm coming out. You're not done. You're not done. You're coming out in the name of Jesus. You're coming out in the name of the Lord. There is an Isaac before you. There is an Isaac. You're not done. I need somebody to worship right now. You're not done. I said, you're not done. I said, you're not done. I said, you're not done. You're not done. You're not done. You're not done. I'm letting go of Ishmael today. I'm letting go of the mistake today. I'm letting go of the hell today. And I'm going after Isaac. Come on. This is a flow. Come on, this is a flow. I need you to lay your hands on somebody near you right now. And I need you to pray in the name of Jesus that every promise comes to pass. I need you to pray in the name of Jesus that God will open a door. I need you to pray in the name. Come on, I need you to open up your mouth and pray. Open up your mouth and declare something over the person next to you. And tell them God's not done. Tell them God's not done. Tell them God's not done. God's not done. God's not done. Thank you.
you're not done. You're not done. I say, you're not done. I hear the Holy Ghost talking. You're not done. You're not done. You're not done. Hold on to Isaac. You're not done. Don't drop the baby. You're not done. Don't drop Isaac. You're not done. You're not done. You're not done. Don't you give Isaac away. You're not done in the name of Jesus. You're not done. From the top of your head to the soles of your feet, you're not done. There's still, there's still an Isaac. There's still an Isaac. There's still an Isaac. There's still an Isaac. But I'm letting go of Ishmael. I'm letting go of yesterday. And I am going with everything into my future. In Thank you so much for listening. Uh, for more information, you can follow my social media page, Victor M. Jackson, or you can come visit us in Orlando, Florida at Bible Center of Orlando. Thank you for joining us. God bless.